0: Welcome to Season 7 of the Leadership Educator Podcast, your source for knowledge and expertise on facilitating leadership learning. Are you passionate about leadership education? Do you want to expand your resource toolbox with practical strategies for teaching, learning, and program design? Then this is the podcast for you. If you haven't done so already, please hit subscribe so you'll never miss an episode. Hi, and welcome to the Leadership Educator Podcast. I am Lauren Bullock, Assistant Professor of Instruction at Temple University.
1: And I'm Dan Jenkins, Professor of Leadership and Organizational Studies at the University of Southern Maine. And we are thrilled for this episode of the Leadership Educator Podcast. So in our seventh season, we've shifted our focus a bit to advancing the leadership education community of practice through exploring exemplary mentor-mentee relationships in our field, as well as learning from scholars who write and speak and develop mentor programs in higher education. So we're asking the question, how do mentors help leadership educators who run programs, conduct research, and teach? Uh, So today's episode features Drs. Kathy Allen and Bill Smedek. Welcome to the show.
2: Thank you.
3: Thank you.
1: Yeah, we're so excited to have you here. So Kathy is the president of Kathleen Allen and Associates, a leadership consulting firm, and recently published a book titled Leadership from the Roots. And is also a weekly blogger on leadership in nature. And you can check her blog out at KathleenAllen.net. And Bill is a senior lecturer in the Center for Leadership Education and the director of the Leadership Studies Program for the Whiting School of Engineering at Johns Hopkins University. And one of the things that we love to do, which is Fun for us just to to share about you know how we how we think we first uh, inter- met these folks and so Bill I know that I want to say it was at the the ILAC meetings right the international leadership Edu- what was it the uh, not international it was the uh, inter-, inter association inter association leadership education collaborative right that, that Craig Slack has helped to, to coordinate over all these all these years twenty. 13 or 14 there at College Park, I want to say. And so, and it's been really, really fun getting to know you better since that. And we've definitely had some, some fun times at conferences and excited to have you on the show. And, and also through some of our conversations, you've, you've mentioned this great mentoring relationship you've had with Kathy. So, um, as we were, as Lauren and I were chatting about who our, our, our short list of uh, guests we love to have on this, this season, you were definitely, y'all were definitely on there. And, and Kathy, I know we interacted at, at different. Um, I think we were trying to figure that when we had you on for another project, and I, I think it was an ILA conference at some at some point. And I'm trying to remember exactly what what year it was. Yeah, maybe you can fill in fill it in. But I feel like I'm get, just getting to know you a little better in the last year or so. But definitely, i was very 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 aware of, of your work and influence on the field. So, but that's always just something we love to walk down memory lane a little bit before we uh, before we do that.
0: I'll jump in too and share really quickly. So, so Kathleen, followed your work forever. And then we have a secret project that we can't talk about that we've talked about. And so so I feel like we became best friends then and we'll be best friends in perpetuity. Um, but, but it was nice to have the opportunity to to hear your insights. And when we have the secret project and we're able to share, I feel like we'll be able to, to talk a little bit more about that. Um, and then Bill, you I looked this up. You were on episode 18. Okay. Of our podcast in July of 2020. Wow. Um, right at the start. And we talked to you and Melanie about NACA. And I remember I met Melanie at LEI. Early, like prior to that. And so when we were talking about NACA and who we knew and stuff like that, you and Melanie naturally, or you came up and then you invited Melanie and said she's got to be a part of this conversation. And I was like, oh, you know, that's wonderful because I'd had already had this interaction. It always speaks, It always speaks volumes to me that we're all connected in this space when we don't even realize it. Right. I'm going to uh, title my leadership biography like serendipity or something like that, because that's just such a re- it's a theme that comes up with everyone's. So I feel like that's how I-, I feel like we've come together in this space. How does that sound for you all about? Right.
2: Perfect. Mm-hmm.
0: So before we jump into the mentoring conversation, um, we would love for you to maybe share two things that people aren't going to know about you from reading your bio.
2: Well, I, I'll tra- I'll share uh, some personal things because I think that you know I've, I've uh, over the past two years I've become a grandfather twice um, and I'm really enjoying that um, that experience and a different different kind of, of love you experience when you're in that uh, role um, and so there's nothing better than my almost two year old grandson when he sees me on FaceTime immediately going, Poppy. <laughs> it's, a, it's a wonderful, wonderful feeling. So that that's the one that comes to mind that's impacting me in a very, very real and positive way.
0: Yeah. They them kids, they know how to get you in your oh, heart and just right. get whatever. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Every time my son sees my dad, it's are you staying the night, grandpa? are you, you're staying the night, right? Every single, it's every single time. And he only lives like an hour away.
3: Yeah. Every
0: single time, the expectation is he's here all the time.
3: That's fun. I think, um, for me, uh, one of the things that might be something that people observe over time as they follow what I write and, and, uh, speak on, or, um, Uh, the body of work maybe that I've generated over my career is that um, but underneath all of that is actually something that that connects Bill and I actually in our relationship which is we have a deep abiding sense of inquiry inquiry and evolution so we are always in the process of trying to get better you know one of my things is uh, when do you want to peak in your profession and for me I'd like to peak right before I die (laughs) <laughs> so um, as opposed to, you know, peak 10 years before you retire, for example. Yes. And so you're, I always have this predisposition to, um, to learn, to experiment, to create new and different combinations, to uh, adapt and my thinking and consciously let go of what I think I know. Uh, in favor of what's changing and how do we adapt? How do we evolve? So that's kind of a orientation that I have towards work and life.
1: I love that. Yeah, yeah. And and I'm, and uh, just very curious to see how that um, comes through and some of the the things that y'all and Bill have learned about each other over the years and and how that um, you know I guess that perspective on on the professional side of things impacted. Uh, his his trajectory as well so i, I love the um Ort and i had a good job putting together uh, some of these questions and so i love this this one that that we get to start with so whoever wants to jump in first uh and that can also be a telling part of the the relationship that y'all have curated over the years and so um uh, would you just tell us a little bit about the first time you met and what were your first impressions of one another
2: Kathy, I, I, I'm happy to start and that'll be telling too, because I, I, we texted each other last night and um, I told her I might embarrass her uh, a little bit because I know she's one of, the, one of the most humble people I know. And so when I, when I, um, I was right out of my grad program in my first professional position um, and, and at Texas State University in San Marcos, Texas, at that time it was called Southwest Texas State University and I had just started my first entry level role in student affairs and, and the dean of, in, 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 that, in, in student affairs suggested I get involved in professional associations. And because I was in campus activities, he highly recommended NACA, right? National Association for Campus Activities. And furthermore, which might've been um, you know, something that he discovered I needed a lot of refinement in was I needed, he suggested I go to a workshop uh, that was being hosted by NACA that summer in, I think it was near Fort Worth, Texas or some, something like that. And so um, th- it was a workshop on, on developing your professional development um, through, through you know, at least the first 10 years of your career and uh, leadership competencies and student affairs and all of that. And the leader of that workshop was, and there were about 50 of us, maybe 40 or 50, was doc- Dr. Kathleen Allen. Um, and so that was the first time I met her. She was leading that, that uh, symposium and workshop. And so um, here's, let me make a long story short. The content was wonderful and all of that, but at the end of the, the program, Kathy was giving a conclusive kind of uh, remarks. And I remember having this, uh, this kind of thought was that I wanna be like her someday. Right, you know, so she just had this level of confidence and authenticity and empathy, all these things that I, I needed to get better at. <laughs> and and um, I saw it embodied in a person that I thought I could um, learn from. And, and so, you know, this is, you know, I'm dating myself here. This is 1983 or four. So it was, um, you know, I, was, I had a lot more hair back then and it was darker. Um, and so, you, you know, I remember screwing up my courage, and I'm not saying that I, I, it, I was really anxious about what I was going to do next, and, and that was to ask her if we could continue having a conversation and meetings. And so I, I, I screwed up my courage, I asked her, and of course she was uh, accommodating there. And so, so we, do, we started having these conversations, because Kathy was in Minnesota, and I was in Texas, and and we just scheduled some some uh, phone calls on a regular basis and just kept the relationship going in that way. And then of course, when we go to conference, you know, I, I can go into, we. that was the beginning. That was my epiphany. That was our, uh, when, when I met Kathy.
3: Yes, that's kind of my, my memory also of that event and how it was kind of magical, that, um, that experience uh, for many people in the room as well as myself. And I have a kind of a predisposition that when people reach out, you have, um, you know, there's a a beauty and a graciousness in the willingness to reach out and say, I'd like to stay in relationship or connection in some way, shape or form. And to this day, I still do that with just about anybody who asks. Um, It's... um, um, and, you know, some take on a short-term framework. Maybe you connect for six months or a year or multiple years. But with Bill, you know, there's these other things that drew us together over and over and over again uh, that kept strengthening and uh, creating a more evolved relationship as he moved into the leadership within uh, NACA and um, his professional um opportunities and thinking about what he wanted to do as he grew up so to speak but it also speaks to how you see mentoring relationships so oftentimes we think about mentoring as something that is hierarchical you know you have the person who's the teacher and the student but i don't really see mentoring in that way i see it more as a something that is a mutually shaping event so as as much as bill might say that um, i have shaped him he has shaped me in return and so it's this big mutually shaping circle that helps both of us evolve and the other thing that i think of when i think about mentoring is that um, with bill and i one of the things that drew us closer together in this relationship was that we we cared about the profession as a whole not uh, just as a career kind of activity. So at that time, when we started, we were thinking of mentoring as something that was bounded as helping a career along or an individual along. But um, I think what strengthened our relationship um, over time and has created a lasting effect is that um, we both cared about the profession in a very deep way. And that was actually what bounded bounded us in our work. And it also, I think, created an amplifying effect on the impact of our mentoring relationship. So there's this um, story um, called, uh, well, there's a thing actually in in Northeast um, India, in a, a area called Magdalaga, where they have found these living bridges. And so the tangler figs, uh, grow on both sides of these ravines and the indigenous tribes of that space um, have trained the, the roots from one tangler fig on one side of the bank to anchor onto the other. And they grow these living bridges by doing this. It takes two generations to grow them, but they last over 500 years in counting. And when I think of our relationship, Bill, I think of it as... Um, a living bridge, this same kind of, it's a two-generational thing in uh, the creation, so it takes time and um, uh, experience and relationship and connection and projects and etc., etc. But the power of our mentoring was actually something that affected, I think, the evolution of the whole field. And that's, when you kind of expand beyond the mentoring as a bounded experience between two individuals to help one individual expand their career versus a relationship between two people that becomes much more reciprocal as the relationship evolves. And you are both anchored in a way of trying to improve and evolve this whole system over time. And then these multiple generations means that my orientation of evolving the field got amplified by Bill showing up in that same space to amplify the field. And um, and then, so the impact becomes amplified as a result. And you have various people that we know in student affairs who have oriented mentoring that way. Susan Columbia would be an example, I think. Perfect example. That's
0: uh, like profound is the word, right? Because when we, so when Dan and I were having these discussions about what to do, we we knew mentoring was powerful, but, but there were all these elements that we were like, we know, but we kind of know, but and we think we know, but for you to, to comment on, you know, being a living bridge and being multi-generational and the impact it has on the field feels so like right and accurate simply because, you know, your work is influencing well beyond what you had. Like you said, you know, I screwed up my courage in 1983 to ask this, confident, authentic, empathetic person, you know, to get on the phone with me. You know, and as a result, you know, there's just so much good work and practice that's been done in the field. Um, and I feel like when we talk about mentoring, we think about it as selfish, meaning I want to, I want this person to help me so I can do better in the space instead of I want them to help me so I can move the industry forward and, and be better in that space. That's that's we, yeah, yeah we know
3: that um you know our systems thinking would tell us that um where you orient Do you orient to optimize the whole or do you orient to optimize a part of the system so when we optimize money or profits for example we often damage other parts of the whole system unintentionally or unintentionally well I think the same thing is a stream for Bill and I is that we both are trying to optimize the whole that's why I was talking about the field student affairs leadership It went way beyond student activities, but each time we evolved to the next kind of evolution of our career, you know, we had another field to influence (laughs) between us, and um, and that's kind of how I see the relationship. And it's you know, again, when you think in traditional terms, it usually starts hierarchically, but if it's a really good one, it turns into a reciprocal exchange I have,
2: an, I have another memory memory Kathy of, of um, you know it was probably about 10 years later because I was I was in my my doctoral program in educational leadership at Morgan State and you had introduced me to, to work around transformational leadership and um, one of the things that has done for me is, is provide me kind of provocative things to read and and to, and to know about. Um, and I've, i value that beyond beyond anything I could calculate. Um, and I remember this conversation around you know, Kathy also would give me constructive criticism. I don't know if it's that if that as much as challenging me, right? And so she said, "Bill, you've got to stop looking at leadership as an additive process, but using it as a multiplier as a multiplier effect, and and thinking about leadership in that way. It kind of relates to generational impact, right? And so um, you know, that was, uh, another kind of aha moment as I was learning about transformational leadership and applying that in my, in my doctoral studies. Um, it was one of those times when you kind of go, oh, okay, let, let's start thinking about things a, a little differently. Um, and, and, and then I'll, I'll go back to just right, you know, right before the pandemic, Kathy, we went, you know, we didn't even talk about this, but we ended up going to a pre-conference workshop at ILA, um around sustainability and leadership and spent time with indigenous populations and 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 again there was just a that connection was so evident um, and profound in terms of thinking about generational impact and how indigenous folks think about that very differently than many of us.
3: That was a cool experience.
0: So you, Bill, you mentioned that you y'all started with these early phone calls, and um, at some point it, it became more of a long-term, intentional, like formal relationship. Kind of where was that point? Was it when you were in your doctoral program? Was it before that? When did it? It was was it official that you two were kind of joined at the hip yeah. for a that, longer stretch, longer than that short-term period? I think it was.
2: It was before that. Um, I, I was very involved with the national association for campus activities and leadership roles and so um, i ended up serving on their board of directors i ended up being a vice chair and then chair of their board of directors and and i invited kathy to be a part of those um meetings and to attend and be instead of it it was different than a mentoring relationship because it was a coaching relationship and so as, as i as i was struggling with some of the things that you struggle with when you're in those roles Kathy was someone I could uh, have a, a, a confidence with and be a, she could be a confidant to me in a way that really was profoundly helpful as I navigated those leadership roles. So um, so that was that was uh, before the doctoral program. So that I would say that was um, a little bit of a different role, but at a point where, I'll, I'll, let me mention this, where it became crystal clear to me at that point was there, there, the shared values, right? There was some evidence of that prior to that, but I think during that time, we, I learned from her how many values we share that we, we care about and want to impact. And so that was a bit of another epiphany, you know, uh, seven or so years after we started um having those
3: conversations. And I had been on the, you know, board of directors for NACA um, and a v- vice chair for regions at that, you know, in an earlier generation than Bill. But as I also remember as he moved into the um, the chair of the of the organization that our relationship also shifted because not only were we kind of talking and strategizing together about what would help the association evolve, uh, we both had were anchored in knowledge about the field and NACA in particular. And so we had a really good shared context of what needed to happen. And then um, Bill kind of started inviting me in to be the uh, outside provocateur uh, is how I r- remember it uh, to advance an agenda by disrupting and disturbing thinking patterns um, for the association and um, for the board and
2: I feel like twirling my mustache on that one
3: <laughs> and I think that um, you know once you start shifting to kind of a strategic thinking partner and um, and then you um, And I remember going in with this kind of framework that I was creating, being a provocateur for the leadership um, meetings that he was chairing as board chair. Um, The framework, what was interesting to me was that we were, we had, had known each other for so long at that point, you know, maybe not long in terms of multiple decades, but a good, you know, seven to 10 years that I wasn't worried about us being unaligned. I just, there was a level of trust and knowledge there that allowed me to help him, um, to help both of us, you know, help the organization and the field evolve beyond where it was to some next evolutional stage, kind of like moving from, you know, a stage one ecology filled with Weeds and um, annuals to uh, a stage two ecology that has perennials and, uh, you know, bushes and uh, relatively short lived trees. Each time you evolve, you need new resources that have to be dropped into a natural system in order for the next layer of growth to happen. And so, what I saw is a partnership with Bill in um, dropping new resources in this case it was a human system so we were dropping knowledge and information and conceptual frameworks to help the evolution of the people in the room
1: yeah yeah i mean i i you know y'all y'all were uh Y'all we're fertilizers, you know, like in a yeah. as as at each evolution oh. of these of this ecological, you know, uh process. I mean
3: I, I personally <laughs> like nutrients, but yeah, <laughs> well weird. for yeah, I was as I, as that word came out of my mouth, I was like, yeah, I
1: guess I could be taken in a in a different, in a different way. Uh, intellectual fertilizer, intellectual mm-hmm. and
2: strategic fertilizer. Um and so uh, just, uh, I I wish, you know, I know that this is an audio podcast, but if the <laughs> audience could see me. Pointing my finger at you, Dan. I wish they could. Yeah. All with affection, Bill. All with affection. It's,
0: and it's not the Disney point. You learn when you go to Disney, they do the two finger. As a former Disney employee, you do the two finger point. It's definitely not the the, the Disney point to guide yes, you. I'm you being, in the being pointed aspect. at.
1: <laughs> And so, well, well, I think about that because y'all's relationship started at such a integral part of the evolution of, of the leadership education field. I mean, y'all meeting and, you know, right around the, the you said around 1983, you think it was. And I mean, so so much was just getting started and so many, you know, important meetings and individuals were entering the field and, and started to connect and and think about formalizing the the study and practice of leadership education within uh, within higher education, and t- to to know that y'all were that y'all had met and started working together, and had this I guess this systemic you know mindset of how to benefit the system as a whole, and that you had multiple influence in different professional associations that were curating and gardening. I guess if you we want, want to keep going with the with the metaphor there, these these really really important developments. In the field. And it's just, it's really, it's really lovely to, to hear y'all talk about that because I were aware of, of the influence that, that y'all had at such crucible moments in the evolution of the field. And, you know, thinking about, you know, say, saying, okay, you know, 10 years hence after that would be early 90s and so much was occurring and more leadership programs were coming on the scene around that time. And y'all were keen on making sure that there was. This developing community of practice and and resources for folks that are that were doing this work at the time was uh, it's it's really interesting to to hear. To hear that story told, and, and hear y'all talk about the keen sense of strategy, right, and and intentionality that y'all had as you were thinking about this, and that you were able to partner, right, the mentor mentee relationship that Bill kinds, you know, Bill is kind of uh, exploring it or, or articulating it as as hierarchical in some sense, but it seems like that evolved to more perhaps of a peer mentoring relationship, which which Lauren and I, Lauren has helped me to uh, open my mind about as we've started to explore that idea uh, and talk to some of our guests about about that phenomenon.
3: Well, one of the marker events of that shift for me was at some point along the way, you can't always identify the specific time or date or year. But um, for me, Bill became a person where I could share weird thoughts that were rattling through my head. As I was on my ongoing kind of evolution of thinking about leadership and how do you, um, what does it mean? What does it look like? How do you Teach it what's the methodology that's most effective, that has that has legs that sustains itself. And then when we would bump into each other at uh conferences or have conversations, he became um, um, a listening place that I could um, you know, get a really good authentic read. Like you don't have your language figured out because I don't understand what you're thinking <laughs> or. Um, yeah, and this is, I like that because I'm going down that same path and I'm experimenting with it this way. And so all of a sudden, our inquiry, our curiosity that kind of connected us in the first place, because this long standing ex, uh, exchange that helps us um, get a better read on okay, what what's Bill thinking about in his context? And um, what am I thinking about in my context? And does this connect with what Bill's thinking? And does Bill's uh, thinking connect with what I'm thinking? And all of a sudden, the it becomes a rich, generative, generative learning experience about a field that we both care deeply about, and it's it's a lovely thing.
2: Yeah, Dan, you you I mean you know me pretty well. One of my I think one of my strengths is application of theory. And so one of the things I think that Kathy and I do for each other is I can talk to her about practically, you know, how's, what's, how's this work out practically in, 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 in fields. I know you're laughing because that sometimes is a struggle. <laughs> and so we, we um, you know, I, so I think we bring, we complement each other in terms of different strengths that we have um, and we care about each other. And I, I can't, I, I, I know we're you know we're, there's timeliness, it, but there was one one thing I really wanted to bring up um, is that is that trust and care um, and how, um, how so I'll say this again I'm not going to go into a specific scenario, but I have one in mind um, where it became apparent to me that Kathy was willing to uh, confront me, uh, you know, and provide constructive criticisms that were sometimes hard to hear, Um, but when it came from her, it was this epiphany of this person loves me so much that she's willing to do that, right, and understands and has a, and must understand that I'm going to feel that way, Um, because, uh, you know, I've had other circumstances where that puts these kinds of relationships at risk. Um, that didn't happen and it was but it doesn't go unnoticed that that trust was built in a way that we can be constructively critical with each other and certainly she has with me that has been profoundly helpful
3: which I think is another reason why this relationship has lasted is that you know when people um like what you do and how you think they um you know, and they want to be like you or whatever, they can, you can stop um, receiving critical feedback that is actually essential for your personal evolution. And, you know, when I go into organizations, there are always pockets of dysfunction, um, as well as pockets of effective teams and high performance work and whatever. But the one thing about dysfunctional leadership in organizations is the absence of feedback. So for me, I wanna be in relationship with people that are willing to give me authentic feedback because that helps me grow and it helps me change and evolve. And I also then, the reciprocal piece is that that feedback has to be reciprocal. So I have to be able to care enough To authentically share what I think people might be tripping over, for example. And I also want to receive that information. And then once you get that pattern down, that becomes, that changes the nature of the relationship from hierarchy to reciprocity, which is, you know, this deep kind of respect and care. um, And uh, that we're both, we both care enough about each other that we want to see. Us become our very
2: best we're, we're kind of in the middle of one right now right yeah. well maybe you don't recognize i'm going to bring this up and see what you think um, so we're so we're both on the steering committee for the sustainability group in ila right and so um we've had these conversations about the value of policy related to making the kinds of changes that we need to in the sustainability space right um, And, and we're still, that's not resolved between the two of us at this point, but it's been a healthy kind of conversation and, um, you know, uh, we're not in agreement in, in some ways, but of course we also know what we care about, and the values are, are there so we know whatever we're going to be trying to advocate for, is something that is for the betterment right of 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 the world in this case right and so that's another trust part of it we may have different ideas of how to get there but the uh, but there's no question that we both care about the same thing very deeply
3: yeah. yeah and um the way i experience that tension is i don't experience the tension i experience the difference it's yeah. like oh okay so this is how bill's thinking about it and then I use that to help shape how I'm thinking about it. And I kind of share how I'm thinking about it, and it probably shapes bills. But it doesn't feel like tension. It feels like, okay, another, you know, kind of it's like, how do you welcome resistance is really the deeper question in a mentoring relationship. And for me, I've been ever since i um ran into um, this, you know, looking at nature and leadership through the lens of nature, I realized that um, resistance actually is necessary for wholeness. And so instead of seeing difference as tension, I see it as another opportunity to learn and evolve and uh, strengthen and create more integrated, high-quality thinking. So so while Bill might feel uh, tension or unresolved, you know, kind of absolutely same page kind of experience i see it as um thriving on the, the different ways that bill brings uh and perspectives and approaches that bill brings into my life i get better because he shares and he's um and uh, and shares his thinking and his approaches to things and his wise and um and you know, I, I know that I can be too conceptual, and Bill will bring me back down and anchor me. Uh, and while it doesn't feel conceptual in my head, <laughs> it can come across to others as uh, all in the head and not in the, the full body grounded experience. But Bill is um, he brings me into that kind of deep, anchored, grounded space.
2: And I, I think for, for your listeners, you know that um, I'm sure are younger than me, um, that, you know, this didn't happen overnight. This, this is part of a mature relationship, right? Something that is decades in the making where it has evolved to the point where that is what we're describing as the case, right? That's that level of trust and vulnerability and all of that um, has has incrementally getting better and better and better right to the point where we've developed this so that's the I guess the case for long term uh, mentoring relationships is that you create that kind of ability to have those conversations.
0: I was just going to say the same thing. It sounds like there's this level of maturity, this like plateau of maturity to keep with the, the nature theme um, that you get to where you can have those exchanges. And because they're rooted in love and you have so much history and experience with that person just caring about you, you know, and and not wanting you to to go over the plateau, you can say these things at least so that they can digest it and process it and have that awareness. Um, you know, there there's value in your, your mentor kind of your your mentor or mentee kind of pulling back the either pulling off the rose colored glasses or just pulling back that curtain so you're not in this this silo of looking at it and it feels like y'all have gotten there and are y'all are prospering as well as the field is prospering did y'all learn that from someone was that just a natural evolution like i think about you know bill and kathy like either in mentoring others or being mentored was that a, a part of that dynamic and where did that come from
2: that was not conscious for me lauren to be frank um you know i'm i'm a very much a, a a first generation college student, and you know was, and so all of that, I, it was loo- learning by doing and making mistakes. This happened to be something that worked out. Um, it was my gut that this should work, or it sh- or I wanted this relationship, and and I followed my gut. Um, it wasn't thought through in the ways you're describing.
3: I I think for me it's, um, you know. Uh, becoming wiser, you know, so you have information, knowledge, and wisdom, and if you are actively um, trying to grow and evolve as a human being, as an individual, and in your relationships with others, you learn, you learn through your mistakes, you learn through, you know, what's blowing blowing up in your face, um, and uh, And I think that this again is the deep underlying connection is that for Bill and I individually, as well as in our relationship, we are consciously trying to evolve as human beings. So where we were when we started, close to 40 years ago. Yeah. (laughs) um, We and where and the people we are now um, has we benefited from our own developmental arc that we've been involved in. Uh, individually, and then our relationship benefits as we grow and become more um, uh, mature, or maybe just, you know, think about what's happened in the last 40 years around our definitions of healthy relationships, and what they look like, and what issues do you have to grapple with for yourself in order to enter into a healthy relationship? Bill and I have lived through that whole evolution, but we've lived through it, in relationship and in influencing each other, and so I think that has really, because we were predisposed to um, um, evolving ourselves, um, we our our relationship benefited from that.
2: Well put, my friend. <laughs> yeah.
3: No, this is this is so interesting, and and
1: to think that one of the, just an observation I'm thinking about. Right. So again. I'm thinking about context, and that's you know in my my top five of my uh, (laughs) my Clifton strengths here. And so, Mm -hmm. so for you're nearing forty years of this mentor mentee relationship, right? And that's absolutely outstanding. And and I'm curious, as you've experienced this together over forty years, what would be some advice you might share for other leadership educators in the field, like that want to be mentors, or or maybe they're seeking out a mentor themselves. And I guess too, maybe there's some advice that maybe that you discarded or recognized didn't serve someone that you were mentoring or when you were in another mentor-mentee relationship? What, what advice might you share? Screw up your courage and <laughs> ask.
2: <laughs> I know it takes it because that's what it was. I was, I was very frightened coming to her at that point. I, I don't mind admitting that. And so that was, uh, so, you know, on that side of things as a mentee, sometimes you have to take a bold step.
3: I think for me, um, the sometimes we um, feel like we have to protect ourselves or our time or our boundaries. And I feel like every time we do that, we are leaving joy on the table. We're leaving learning on the table. And so for me, the generosity of being in relationship, um, if you can, you know um, develop that, uh, framework, you know, I used to work at a Benedictine college, and um, one of their lessons was uh, you only fully know yourself in relationship to. And so, that is a deep thought. And every time we cut ourselves off from, or we cut our vulnerability off from our relationships, we um, lose an opportunity to know ourselves in a deeper, more um, full way. And so for me, the mentoring frame, um, I guess the other piece of advice is uh, resist the hierarchical frame of the mentor-mentee and um, continue to nudge, provoke, or move to something that moves more reciprocally through the relationship. Um, Hierarchy is not a really healthy concept that we have embedded in our leadership frameworks because hierarchy by um, its structure means that um, everybody is rank ordered and usually the earth is at the bottom of that pile and you can extract or exploit anything below you in the, in the hierarchy. So the, the mentor-mentee traditional hierarchical frame actually is not an equal relationship with your mentee. And that means that you, as a mentor, have to constrain what you share. It constrains how vulnerable you are in the relationship. And that constrains how honest and authentic you can be in the relationship. And it fundamentally constrains the quality of the mentoring relationship. So I would, my advice would be, be open, be generous, and resist uh, the hierarchy. Of being put on a pedestal, there's only a big drop in that direction, and move towards reciprocal relationships as soon as you.
2: Yeah, I even even find that you know I'm trying to pay it forward with with folks that I I, I work with and um, and that is you know I have conversations now because it'll be it's kind of a sometimes a more formal kind of declaration that we're going to agree to do these these relationships and so I'm. Um, I'm clear in those, those expectation meetings that I expect to learn from that person as well, right? Even though they might be two generations or more um, from where I am in terms of professional, their professional lives. And, and then we talk about what that is, right? And there's a lot, there's a ton. You know, I, and so that, um, I've taken Kathy's kind of way of doing this and tried to, pay it forward in ways that I've learned to mentor others too.
0: You know, that that's a prevalent belief in leadership. So you mentioned, Mm -hmm. Kathy, you mentioned Susan earlier, we talked to her and John Dugan and they said they're co-learners and they would take turns teaching each other. And so I, I love that one of the themes that is going through is coming out of this is this idea that it's mutually beneficial and mutually respectful and, and, I believe, especially just working with young people um, in the classroom, it is they want it as well, but they've been conditioned in another way. And so breaking that mold takes not only your words. So Bill, you said in conversation, I said X, it also takes your action. Like so So when I'm in class, I, I talk to my students about stuff I know that I don't know, but they know to give them that little boost. Like we talk about like Harry Styles. I have no clue who I know, but I don't really know. But they love sharing it because they love him. And I'm like, I don't kind I don't want you care, I don't care what you tell me. I want us to build this relationship. So when I say something about leadership and maybe you have a different perspective, you feel comfortable jumping right in. And I feel like that's the the value that we're creating in these spaces when we're working not just with each other, but also with others teaching it for sure. So um, thank you both for joining us today. We are incredibly grateful for your time, but also your willingness to share your relationship with each other. We know that that's a a, a personal and professional thing, but we don't want you to to feel like we take it for granted. We are extremely appreciative um, and we wish both of you this well this year. And we look forward to seeing you at the ILA Global Conference
3: next month. Looking forward to it. That's going to be fun.
2: Yeah, thank you. I can't wait.
1: Do you connect with Leadership Educators virtually? Please follow us on social media. Search the Leadership Educator Podcast on LinkedIn to find our page. And find us on Twitter at Lead Educator Pod for episode release information, show notes, and upcoming events. You can connect with me on Twitter at Dr. Underscore Leadership. And Lauren is at M-R-S-L-A-U-R-J-B. That's Miss. Laura JB. You can find the episodes wherever podcasts are available. We also encourage you to please subscribe at TheLeadershipEducator.com and rate us five stars, as the more you rate us, the easier it is for others to find us.
0: We'd like to thank the James M. Cox, Jr. Institute for Journalism, Innovation, Management, and Leadership within the Grady College of Journalism and Mass Communication at the University of Georgia. The support was facilitated by Dr. Keith Herndon, William S. Morris Chair in News Strategy and Management.
1: And our wonderful theme music was composed, performed, and mixed by Dr. Matt White, trumpeter, composer, and associate professor and chair of jazz studies at the University of South Carolina. Check him out at mattwhitejazz.com. Matt, thank you so much for sharing your musical genius with our audience.
0: And finally, we are grateful for the support of two professional associations that are destinations for leadership educators the Association of Leadership Educators, and the International Leadership Association. ALE, which funded the start of the podcast, continues to promote our mission of continuing conversations with leadership professionals. Check out all that ALE has to offer at leadershipeducators.org. The global reach of the ILA has helped us to expand our listenership beyond our original borders. Check out the ILA's programs and resources at ilaglobalnetwork.org